What up, son? It's the tale of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. Tale of the tapes, season two, episode ten. Today we have Del the Funky Homo Sapien and Pharaoh Munch. Now, for those of you who think you've never heard of Del the Funky Homo Sapien before and have no idea who he is, I'd probably bet that you're wrong. Um, if you ever heard the song Clint Eastwood by Gorillaz, which was very popular at one point, he was the rapper on that song. So while you might not recognize the name or really know any of his material or anything like that, chances are that you probably have at least just heard this guy rap somewhere once. So that being said, let's get into him since he's first up. His debut solo album was in 1991. His birth name is Terran Delvin Jones, also known as Deltron, Sir DZL, Del, Del the Ghost Rapper, Funky Homo Sapien, Joe Higashi, and Unicron. Born August 12, 1972 in Oakland, California, United States. Origins listed as Oakland, California, United States. His genres are listed as hip-hop and alternative hip-hop. And his years active are listed as 1988 to present. So a little bit of a background on Dell. Terran Delvin Jones, born August 12, 1972, better known by his stage name Del the Funky Homo Sapien or Sir DZL, is an American rapper, record producer, songwriter, and singer. Also, a little bit of a side note here, I won't dip too deeply into this, but this dude, Dell, is actually Ice Cube's cousin. Um... I believe his career started because he was writing lyrics for Ice Cube's group, The Lynch Mob, and at whatever point he severed ties with working with Ice Cube, you know, musically and stuff like that, basically because Dell wanted to get out and do other things. Um, we'll get into this a little bit more in a second, but this dude is a very, very original artist that, I mean, you could tell looking at the list of also known as, you know, Joe Higashi and Unicron and stuff like that. So, I mean, just by stuff like that, you could obviously tell what type of artist this dude is. So, I mean, I, I don't particularly think that his style would have went well with what Cube was doing and things like that. But that's not what this episode is about. But I just did deem it important enough to just, you know, note that this is kind of how this guy's career got started. He is Ice Cube's cousin and... He was working with Ice Cube in the beginning and then kind of ventured off into his own thing. So let's get into what I wrote down about Dell. Although I had heard some of his work specifically with Gorillaz, I had never heard of Dell the Funky Homo Sapien by name or solo projects. Dell was certainly not just a rapper, but truly an artist as he dabbled in many other forms of music genres. Lyrically, he was very inconsistent, not only from song to song or verse to verse, but from bar to bar. He had a tremendous vocabulary and rhymed a lot of words and syllables, but was mostly just rhyming words to rhyme words and sometimes didn't rhyme at all and began to ramble. He was at times poetic, but struggled to flow properly or execute correct rhyme schemes. It almost seemed as if Dell was freestyling, which if he was, he was very good at it for it being a freestyle. However, I don't believe that that's what he was doing. I think that it was just his style. All things taken into consideration, overall, he was average lyrically. The Funky Homo Sapien had a high work rate and put out 15 albums in 27 years. 12 solo, 1 collaboration with Tame One, and 2 with his group Deltron 3030, and those were just the 15 that qualified for this particular study. Of his 12 solo projects, 2 were good, with the other 10 being average. 
of his two group projects, both were borderline good average, and his collaboration album with Tame One was a good album. Of his 186 qualified songs, none were great, six were good, and eight were weak. I found Del the Funky Homo Sapien listed as one of the top 100 underground hip-hop artists, but other than that and Clint Eastwood, most people don't know his name. He did, however, have influences on a handful of artists such as Mob Deep, Big L, Jadakiss, and a few others. Originality as an artist is where the funk man really shined. Although he did seem to contradict himself a lot with lyrical content about drugs and violence, he very rarely seemed to follow any trends visually or musically. His song topics, rhyme style, choice of words, etc. were all very original and stayed that way throughout. So getting into the math of what I just read to you, lyrics he gets a 5. We talked about he was average overall. There was a lot of good things that he did, a lot of not so good things that he did, and that kind of evened him out in that category. Albums, he gets a 3.32, zero classics. Songs, he gets a minus 0.43, so just under a half a point. Nothing too crazy, but it's not as small as some other people, and it's not a plus where it could be a plus. He had the the eight-week songs and no great songs, so nothing too dramatic, but more bad than good there. Impact, he gets a four and a half. This is kind of one of those things, it's similar to, and now I'm not saying it's the same as this other one because MF Doom got a higher impact score, but what I'm trying to point out is the similarity here where you have a little bit of give and take on both aspects here, the same as we did with MF Doom where this guy, I don't want to say he's an underground legend because he certainly does not have the underground following that MF Doom had, but this is one of those guys where when you specifically talk to underground people, you're probably going to hear this guy's name and they would probably place his impact a little bit higher than I would. The same way as if you talk to some mainstream people or maybe some people that kind of just, you know, like hip hop music, but are not really into like the culture or anything about it or maybe the underground scene or whatever like that. They wouldn't even know this guy's name at all. Um, and he eats just so many things. He has, you know, a lot of material, a lot of different material, but Never really had any tremendous commercial success on anything. Not really saying that that was his goal, but it still counts for something. Um, and even in the list of the top 100 underground artists, I mean, obviously that list is limited to just being underground artists. So, you know, right there, even just finishing number one on that list doesn't particularly mean that you're number one overall. But Dell wasn't even really that high close to the top on the list of the 100 greatest underground artists that I found. And I found a couple of different variations of the list. And he was on most, if not all of them, I believe, in the top 100. But I don't really believe he was very far over the top half in any of them. So these are just things that you have to take all these things into consideration. There, there were some things that he did that that did raise his impact score a little bit. You know, a couple of influences on a couple of decent names there. But then you take the flip side of it into account and stuff like that, and it comes out to be just below average. So four and a half there. And then originality, he gets a nine and a half. This is, again, one of those things. And we've had a decent number of these people lately that have been really, really original, unique artists. But I definitely have to give Dell his credit in this area. I mean, pretty much everything this guy did, like I said, his rhyme style, his song topics, his choice of words. There were just so many things that were so unique to just this guy and nobody else. Um, he never followed any trends. He never sold out, nothing like that. He definitely did his own thing, not only on his own records, but like we spoke about earlier when he branched out from being around Ice Cube. I mean, here's a situation where 
your cousin is already majorly successful in this industry and you turn around and walk away from that because he didn't really like the diversity of the music and he wanted to go on to have a broader range of things to do and not be so limited musically like that. So very, very clear with the type of artist that we're dealing with here. Obviously cares much more about being himself and bringing something new to the table than he does with being quote unquote successful. So uh, I take my hats off to him for that for sure. And you add those five numbers up, you divide by five and you get a final rating of 4.38 which leaves him tied for 72nd place overall of 153 artists done so far. So just inside the top half, Fidel, which honestly, given the circumstances, is not bad at all. So again, shout out to Dell for sure. Very original, unique artist that does his own thing. If you're into stuff like that, I would definitely recommend checking this guy out. He's very, very different. Now moving on to Pharaoh Manch, who also made his debut in 1991, which was with the group album Organized Confusion. His birth name is Troy Donald Jameson, born October 31st, 1972, origins South Jamaica, Queens, New York, United States. Genres are listed as hip-hop and years active are listed as 1987 to present. Now a little bit of a background on Pharaoh Monch. Troy Donald Jameson, born October 31st, 1972, better known by his stage name Pharaoh Monch, is an American rapper from South Jamaica, Queens, New York. He is known for his complex lyrics, intricate delivery, and internal and multisyllabic rhyme schemes. So there are a lot more things that I could get into about Pharaoh Manch, but it's one of those things where it's either going to be an extreme amount that I say about him or very little that I say about him because when it comes to the mainstream and record sales and records broken and firsts and things like that, you're not really going to get much from Pharaoh Manch, but when it comes to other things like artistry and, and original things and just all other things like that, the, you know, behind the scenes work and just things in involving in hip hop and stuff like that, there's going to be a tremendous amount and there's really nowhere to draw the line. So I'm going to draw the line right there and keep it basic and simple. And then we'll get into what I wrote down about Pharaoh Manch. I wouldn't be a very big fan of hip-hop if I didn't at least know who Pharaoh Manch was. I wasn't, however, very familiar with his group called Organized Confusion. He started off above average lyrically and finished off way above it. His ability to keep topics, tell stories, paint pictures, involve twists, mixed with multi-syllabic, unique, and deep rhymes, more than one rhyme per bar, dope one-liners, etc., solidified his place as a tremendous lyricist. Between the group and his solo career, Farrell put out seven albums, three with the group and four solo. Of the seven, six of them were good, with one being borderline great and another being a classic. Of the 86 songs he released, eight of them were great, another 17 were good, and perhaps even more impressive is that none of them were weak. Although Farrell Manch didn't have huge mainstream success or necessarily become a household name, he is certainly generally ranked high in the underground circuit. On top of that, he clearly had a musical impact on top artists such as Big L, Big Pun, Black Rob, The Fugees, LL Cool J, Dead Prez, and others. Different doesn't always mean good, but Pharaoh Manch managed to be one of those people who made different better. On occasion, he did have an odd style of rhyming words and stringing bars together, but it was selective and strategic and seemed as if he did it uniquely on purpose rather than as an easy way out. 
The man was extremely talented both lyrically and artistically and didn't seem like the type of person who was incapable of doing anything. From his visuals, his delivery, and his message to his unique song ideas and topics and complicated rhyme style, Pharaoh Monch was super original. So obviously a great breakdown there from Pharaoh Monch and going into this, like I said, I, I knew of Pharaoh Monch and I certainly won't say that I disliked him, but I never really listened to Pharaoh Monch like that and I never had Pharaoh Monch in, in my top list or anything like that, but let's get into the numbers now for him. Lyrics, he gets an eight and a half, which is the highest score we've seen by a pretty wide margin here so far. So shouts to him for that. Albums, he gets a 4.57 with one classic album. Songs, he gets a plus .93. As we spoke about, he had the eight great songs and no weak songs, so he's plus almost a full point in that category. Impact, he gets a six and a half. Kind of similar to what we spoke about before with Dell, but this obviously on a much grander scale in a dramatic fashion. This guy obviously got much higher scores in every category than Dell did. Um, and even though this guy is not a household name and didn't have the most commercial or mainstream success, he certainly did have a lot more of it than Dell, and he is a lot more common of a name than Dell is. So you still do have to factor in everything, but this is one of those scenarios where Pharaohs obviously leans towards the better side and just maybe a little bit lacking in some areas kind of kept him at a six and a half. Whereas Dell kind of started off lower due to the obvious things and kind of climbed his way higher with some of the other things that he was able to do on his own. So completely contrasting ways that they got to those scores there for sure. And originality, Pharaoh gets a nine. I mean, we spoke about this, just the way that this guy rhymed, the things that he rhymed about, the song topics. There was just nothing about this guy that was a follower or anything like that. I mean, he doesn't get a perfect 10 or anything like that, and he wasn't quite as abstract and out there as Dell was. Dell getting the 9.5, Farrell getting the 9, but both of these guys, super unique and original in their own right for sure. I mean, there there aren't people out there that rap like these guys, period. So... Here's another prime example of if you're looking for something different, Pharaoh Monch is definitely one of those guys that could deliver something different for sure. Now, with Pharaoh, you're actually adding up six numbers here. I just want to recap this because it's not very often that I give out classic albums. That is a very, very hard thing to get. I spoke about it in the intro. I'll touch on it really quick again right now. I'm not calling things a classic based on nostalgia or commercial success or the general public's opinion or anything like that. I am judging that the same way that I'm judging everything else on technical things. The lyrics on the album, the concepts on the album, the topics kept, the popularity, the success, the rhyme schemes, the ability to keep topics, the things that you're rapping about. Just on and on the list goes on. Any possible thing that could be incorporated into a song or an album is scored mathematically and... Pharaoh Monch happens to come out with one classic album. Now, like I said, it's not something I give out very often, and we haven't done this very often, particularly on this podcast, but with Pharaoh Monch, for example, you get the extra point for the classic. So you would add 8.5, 4.57, 1, 6.5, and 9, and then you would divide by 5, and you get a final score of 6.10, which leaves him in, drum roll please. Ninth 
place overall of 153 artists done. Major shout out to Farrell Monch. I'm I'm 99% sure that he's the first artist that we've covered in the podcast so far to break a six. He is the first artist to get a final score above a six. Major shout outs to Farrell Monch for sure. I mean, he shatters the top lyrical score. He finishes in the top spot overall out of artists done so far on this podcast. He's the first rapper to break a six in his in his overall score. He's one of the very few rappers to score any classic album so far up to this point. So hats off to Farrell Monch, man. A tremendous, tremendous artist here for sure. Now, we don't get this quite often, but I did promise song breakdowns for all artists that finished in the top ten going forward. So while Farrell Monch is probably going to wind up being closer to like the top 30, top 25 when this is all said and done. I don't know that, so don't quote me, but just averaging. He is top 10 so far right now for who we've done. So we will get into a Pharaoh Monch song here. And without further ado, let's go to Pharaoh Monch's playlist and hit random. Okay, so this is Pharaoh Monch still standing. Stay off of the leaves You're not playing the grass to climb the trees You can't breathe Let alone you get stung by bees Lord Jesus, your chest just might freeze up Thirteen months old with a lung disease That almost took my life twice Brought me to my knees Okay, let's pause that right there Because it's only a couple of bars But there's a lot to dissect there So, he says They said please do not run too fast Stay off the leaves So you have fast A, leaves B do not play in the grass, A, or climb the trees, B. So right off the bat, he comes in with an A, B, A, B rhyme pattern. And he gets into, you can't breathe, let alone you get stung by bees. Lord Jesus, your chest just might freeze up. So it's clear, obviously, at this point that he's talking about something that clearly has affected his lungs, whether it's pneumonia or allergies or whatever the case is. They said, please do not run too fast. Stay off the leaves. Do not play in the grass or climb trees. You can't breathe, let alone you get stung by bees. Lord Jesus, your chest just might freeze up. So cool rhyme schemes there. He's talking about something. He's just got a really unique, cool way of, of spinning these words around and rhyming multisyllabic rhymes and the things that aren't multisyllabic are different rhyme schemes and stuff like that. And these bars all lead into each other well and stuff like that. So a lot of positive stuff in the first four bars here from Pharaoh. Then he goes into 13 months old with a lung disease that almost took my life twice, brought me to my knees. So now we get another rhyme pattern, but we get a different rhyme pattern. So he says 13 months old with a lung disease, A that almost took my life, B, twice, B, brought me to my knees, A. 
So now instead of an ABAB rhyme pattern, we have an ABBA rhyme pattern. So again, a bunch of different rhyme patterns here. He's obviously talking about something in particular. These bars make sense. They lead into each other well. Multi-syllabic rhymes, unique way of delivering this stuff. So right away, six bars in, you can already see what I was talking about with, with Pharaoh with the way that he delivers things, the, the complex rhyme schemes and syllables that he uses and things like that. So let's get into what else he has to say. A system not designed for you to achieve Police squeeze, library lies, a teacher deceives But I rose to the top of my class like Kareem I like the Lakers in the 80s, so worthy I'm Kareem Okay, let's pause it again I'm probably going to pause this quite often Because he's, he's a lot to keep up with So I don't want to get too lost He says A system not designed for you to achieve Police squeeze, library lies, a teacher deceives There's a bunch to break down here as well so we have a system not designed, A, for you to achieve, B, police squeeze, B, library lies, A, a teacher deceives, B. So we have an A, B, B, A, B rhyme pattern here. So that's definitely different from what we normally see. We got A, B, B, A, B. So again, something different, something unique. And look at the way that he spins these words, like police squeeze library lies a teacher deceives so it's the irony here that he's pointing out the police are supposed to protect you but they kill you you're supposed to go to libraries for information but there's lies a teacher is supposed to teach you things but they're deceiving you so again in just two bars here a lot more things to add on to the score here for this song so he's halfway through the verse here and this is probably almost already up to being a good song at this point then he says, I rose to the top of my class like cream or the Lakers in the 80s, so worthy I'm Kareem. Now, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I do know about the Lakers dynasty in the 80s. I do know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I do know James Worthy. So again, another little spin on words there where he's saying that he's worthy and he's saying that he was at the top of his class like the Lakers in the 80s and he's Kareem. So using the James Worthy spin and him being worthy and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, all that, I'm sure you can pick up on, on what he's throwing out there. But this is, again, a prime example of somebody who is not only doing good things and saying dope lines, but in the midst of these dope lines are these crazy spins on words and these intricate rhyme schemes and patterns and multi-syllabic things and stuff like that. So it's all here right now for Pharrell Monch in this particular song. Not MTV, but my sweet 16s. Married the mic, I love Supreme. I'm clear it was a miracle the way I wedded the rhythm spiritual looking back at it, a lyrical exorcism. Again, we, we gotta stop there. He says, not MTV, but my sweet 16s. Married the mic, I love Supreme. Now, again, I don't watch MTV. I'm not big on show. I don't, I don't really watch TV at all, period. I'm definitely not up to date with like current shows and all things like that. But I believe I remember there being some sort of Sweet 16 show on MTV. And he's obviously referring to 16 bars in a verse, which is what your typical rap verse will usually be, which is 16 bars. So there's a little play on words there. And then he says, married the mic, a love supreme. Now, I don't know if there's someone named Mike or someone married someone named Mike in one of these Sweet 16 things or a show called Love Supreme or whatever the case is, but nonetheless, there's obviously wordplay and metaphors here to pick up on. I do get what he's saying about the MTV and the Sweet 16s and the 16 bars, and he's saying married the Mike. I'm sure he's saying M-I-C and not M-I-K-E, so another play on words there, and no matter what it really 
technically directly exactly means. I can obviously tell the the comparisons that he's making and the wordplay that he's using. So again, these are all these things are just rising the song score. Then he says, I'm clear it was a miracle the way I wedded the rhythm. Spiritual looking back at it, lyrical exorcism. Insane again. So I'm clear it was a miracle, which are A, the way I wedded the rhythm, which is B. Then he says, spiritual looking back at it, a lyrical, which are both A's again, and then exorcism, which is a B and goes back to rhythm. Now, not only does he go back and forth with his rhymes here, but he's rhyming in between bars too. So you have a A, A, B, A, A, B rhyme pattern here. So now in 12 bars or 14 bars or whatever we've counted so far, we have three completely different rhyme patterns that he's gone through and used here. You have a bunch of dope lines. You have crazy wordplay. You have multi-syllabic rhymes all over the place here. You got rhythm, which is two. Then you got spiritual, lyrical, which are three each. And then exorcism, which is another two. So that's 10 syllables rhymed on two bars with the A, A, B, A, A, B rhyme pattern mixed in there. And the line is dope in itself. So again, just absolutely slaughtering this verse in every way by Pharaoh right here. And we'll get into how he finishes it right now. I have for the Afro-American dream to rap for Quarterback for a professional team I'm still standing Yeah, I'm still here I'm still standing Still standing He says I have for the Afro-American dream To rap a quarterback for a professional team Then he goes on to say I'm still standing Yeah, I'm still here I'm still standing So Again, another dope rhyme, a little wordplay there where he has the half a afro and he kind of plays on that a little bit. And then he talks about the American dream, which we all know what that is. And then he talks about to rap a quarterback for a professional team. So you have half of the afro American dream, which is a cool little play on words there. Then you have to rap or quarterback, which rhyme with each other. And then for a professional team, which goes back to American dream. So again... Another example here of the same thing that he does quite often. The guy is incredible with his words. Crazy wordplay, dope lines, different rap schemes, all different type of things, multi-syllabic rhymes. So without a doubt, an incredible verse there by Pharaoh Monch to start this song off. And then uh, not only do you have these dope lines, all different types of crazy word schemes, word plays, um, just all sorts of different crazy things going on that verse, but... He generally was talking about, I don't want to say something specific where he had to hold like a very specific topic, like a story or anything like that. But these obviously all apply to him being sick as a kid, him being good at rapping and trying to be part of the American dream and all that. And how these are things that are kind of stacked against him, but he's still standing. So just a tremendous job there all together in every which way, shape, or form on that first verse by Pharaoh there. And then we'll let the hook rock here and then get into what he says on his second verse. Dead bodies to claim, 
Never been a trigger man, crack never peddled that Opposite a nigga man, double my expectancy Can you believe it? Look, no bullet wounds, not paraplegic Still standing like the Pledge of Allegiance Moves made both emotional and strategic My heart disintegrated in a million pieces Listen, that's life, deal with it Press reset, download pain, write a thesis Okay, so just a lot more of the same here from Farrell Monch, really. He comes in and he says, I have no dead bodies to claim. Never been a trigger man. Crack? Never peddled that. Opposite a jigger man. A bunch of incredible stuff here again. So not only does he have a dope line here, but obviously super original. I mean, we're in an era now where the majority of these artists are running around talking about you know, how tough they are and who they're going to kill and stuff like that. Now, I don't mean the, the area that we're in in my podcast right now as far as 1991. We've definitely had a fair share of artists talking about that. But I'm talking about even later when that stuff went on for over a decade. And, you know, even still to a certain degree to this day. But here comes Pharaoh hopping on a song talking about, I have no bodies to claim. I've never been a trigger man. So, you know, just letting everybody know... You're not going to catch me saying some shit just to get a reaction or, or faking or pretending to be something that I'm not. And then he goes into another dope rhyme scheme, crack, never peddled that, they rhyme with each other, the opposite of Jigga Man. So I was a pretty big fan of Jay-Z growing up and I had the majority of Jay-Z's albums and stuff like that. It was very obvious that Jay-Z spoke about dealing crack on many separate occasions on many different songs. He had a song called Dope Man and stuff like that. So... You know, here you have Pharaoh saying Trigger Man instead of Dope Man, referring to never catching bodies or anything like that, and that's A, and then you have Crack B, never peddled that B, opposite of Jigger Man, which goes back to A. But it's another example of unique wordplay and different rhyme schemes and things like that in a dope line. And then he goes on to say, doubled my expectancy. Can you believe it? Look, no bullet wounds, not paraplegic. Now, this is one of these things where this shit is just mind-blowing in itself right here. Because, forget about the rhymes. Let's take the rhymes away for a second. He says, doubled my expectancy. Can you believe it? So, I'm not particularly familiar on exactly what the life expectancy is of an African-American male that grows up in a certain place or something like that. But whatever it is. Let's say he doubled it or he near doubled it or whatever. It's the point that he's trying to make regardless of what the exact math on the scenario is. And he's saying, can you believe it? So again, it's a 180 of what most other people are saying. Most other people are bragging that they've been shot, talking about people that they've shot. He's saying, I ain't shot nobody. But what I did do is I lived twice as long as I was supposed to. Can you believe that? And he's kind of flaunting and kind of you know proud of the fact look no bullet wounds not paraplegic you guys are bragging about all these things but really all these things are the majority this is the way you're supposed to wind up when you grow up in the projects of course you shot somebody bro if you didn't shoot somebody you would have got shot whatever the case is so he's kind of making it where i'm different i never been shot i'm not paralyzed i'm not dead i'm not in jail i doubled my life expectancy etc he's not even getting into i'm rich or I'm famous or anything of the sort. He's just keeping it simple as possible, like on, on some real shit. In the circumstances that I was placed in, it's a success that I'm not dead or that I'm not shot or that I'm not paralyzed or whatever the case is. Then on top of that, you have, again, 
you know, the way that he words it doubled my expectancy. Can you believe it? Look, no bullet wounds, not paraplegic. So multisyllabic rhymes again, making strong points as usual. Then he says, still standing like the Pledge of Allegiance. Moves made both emotional and strategic. Another dope two bars. In the first verse, we talked about how he ended it saying he's still standing and how the verse was basically how all these things are stacked against him, but he's still standing. And then here he comes, still standing like the Pledge of Allegiance, which, you know, you're obviously expected to stand for. And then he said, moves made both emotional and strategic. Just another dope line. You got a couple of syllables on the rhymes, but you also just have that strong point being made. Like, yeah, I did both. You know, I had some things that I did that I reacted off of emotion, and I had a lot of other things that I did too that were much more thought out and, and well executed and are probably part of the reason why I am still standing today. So just a lot more great stuff here from Farrah Manch. Then he says, my heart disintegrated into a million pieces. Listen, that's life. Deal with it. Press reset. Download pain. Write a thesis. So again, multisyllabic rhymes, you have pieces, thesis, uh, reset, which is not really a total rhyme with that, but it's just the way that he raps is a pieces, a press reset, right? A thesis. So he finds another unique way to string these things together. My heart disintegrated into a million pieces. Listen, that's life. Deal with it. Press reset. Download the pain. Write a thesis. So he's basically telling you these things have happened. You can't change them. But what you can do is you can deal with it, you can reset yourself, you can download your pain and write a thesis. Take what you've been through, take what hurt you, take what you experienced, press reset and make something out of it. He just finds a really cool way to word these and make it abstract and original and stuff like that, which is just something that's second nature to him. It obviously comes easy. He's tremendous at this. Every bar has been on point so far in this song. And let's get into how he ends it off. Perform for millions, Brazilian visas. Transcontinental, indigenous divas that speak multiple languages for unspeakable reasons. And still, there are places that I've never been. Like the Statue of Liberty, my knees will never bend. So then he says, Perform for millions, Brazilian visas. I got transcontinental, indigenous divas. Another example where millions, Brazilians, AA, visas, B. I got transcontinental indigenous divas, B. So he's got an AA, B, B rhyme pattern there, which is not as complicated as some of the other rhyme patterns that he used, but he still gets it in there. And his wordplay and his, his choice of words, again, are unique and abstract, transcontinental indigenous divas. So it's not the best line that he's had in the song, but still a, a good rhyme pattern, still multi-syllabic rhyme, still a very unique and original way to deliver it and his choice of words and stuff like that. His, his vocabulary is very good. Then he says that speak multiple languages for unspeakable reasons, which is another dope line. So he's saying transcontinental indigenous divas that speak multiple languages for unspeakable reasons. It's just cool wordplay. I shouldn't really have to explain that one too hard for you. You know, he's fucking with people from different countries. Obviously, he's making that apparent. Right now, he's just particularly talking about Brazil, but I'm sure he's just talking about everywhere he's been in general and talking about these girls that he's met that are so hot and they speak multiple languages for unspeakable reasons, which I'm sure we can all 
come to a conclusion of what that means and what he's talking about. I like to leave a little bit up to the imagination. Um, you know, I'll give a hint sometimes at what people are talking about, but this is art again, and it's to be taken the way that you want it to be taken. I'm sure I know what Faramanch means here, but I would like to leave a little bit up to the imagination. So run with it where you will, but you can obviously see the dope lines that the guy is dropping. Then he goes on to say, and still there are places that I never been like the Statue of Liberty. My knees will never bend. So making it a point how it's pretty mind-blowing that he's done all these unthinkable things that he really probably should have never been able to do. He should have been dead and, you know, whatever the hell else at this point from what he was dealing with as a child and allergies and pneumonia or whatever the hell it was where he had to stay away from the leaves and all this to being born where he was born in the position that he was in where most people get shot or go to jail or get killed and this. And here he is performing in front of millions of people with all these these divas from different countries and doing unspeakable things and yada yada and still there are places I've never been. Just kind of trying to motivate you and show you the beauty of life how it's crazy what I've done and yet there is still so much more for me to do. And then he says like the Statue of Liberty, my knees will never bend. Which obviously the Statue of Liberty is made out of I believe copper or whatever hard metal it is and her knees stay very straight and stiff for a very long period of time. She's been like that for a very long time. So <laughs> another cool line there by Pharaoh, just alluding to the point of what he's been talking about the whole time when no matter what he's gone through in his life, no matter what's been stacked against him, no matter what he was dealt, he's not falling down. He's not giving up. But when I'm speaking to God, it feels like halftime. I'm going to reach for the stars. I'm still standing. Still standing. So then he goes on and says, except for when I'm speaking to God, it feels like halftime. I'm going to reach for the stars. I'm still standing. Ladies and gentlemen, that right there is our first example of a three that we've heard in this study. That is a great song. That song surely got a three. And the ways that Pharaoh was able to come to that score in that song are very many more ways than one while he didn't necessarily have every possible aspect that you could gain points for he had the majority of them the only thing that this song didn't really have and it, it didn't wind up mattering because his lyrics and and you know the other things that he did great were enough to to make up for the difference but this was not like a, a hit single or an overly popular song which this kind of goes without saying these are not the types of songs that you hear on the radio and Partly you can kind of understand why. I mean, you know, one part of me would love to hear shit like this on the radio because I think that you should hear a little bit of everything. I think you should hear, you know, some of the party shit, some of the uplifting shit, some of the shit that's geared towards, you know, maybe something a little bit more negative or whatever. I just feel like that's kind of the point of the radio. You know, you, you throw the radio on and you kind of get what you get and 
you know, you, you feel what you feel and you don't what you don't. And then you switch the station, you go to another station or whatever the case is. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel like that anymore. I literally, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying this to be funny. I literally haven't listened to the radio and it's gotta be a decade. It's gotta be a decade now. So it just, it's not like that. You know, you switch and you're just going to probably hear the same song on another station. It's just the same shit over and over again. So it kind of goes without saying to say something like this was not, you know, a huge single or a big hit or a radio song and things like that, which could have had the song start off at a little bit higher of a number off the bat then it would have had to either work its way back down to an average song, work its way up to a good song or up to a great song or whatever the case is. But point being that had this been a single or had more popularity or something like that, it, it could have started off at a higher number. It didn't need to. It got to a three anyway. And like I said, he there was many different reasons for this. Now, while this wasn't really a story, and it certainly wasn't like a story with a crazy twist or a crazy ending or something like that, he was still speaking on a particular topic. And he did have, you know, lines in there that weren't directly pointed at this specific topic. But all these lines led into each other well and they all made sense. This was one cohesive thing that he was kind of talking about on this song where he started off talking about, you know, his his breathing issues with you know, whatever it was that he had and, and how he couldn't go near the leaves and the bees and this and that and you know, he talked about these things and how it didn't matter. He was still standing and stuff like that. And then he went on in the second verse to kind of talk about how he's not like everybody else. He doesn't have bodies. You know, he wasn't selling crack and things like that. But nonetheless, he's traveling all around the world with all these different types of, of women and just, you know, doing these amazing things. And no matter what life throws at him, he's still standing. And he used a bunch of different metaphors to talk about him still standing you know, uh, my knees will never bend like the Statue of Liberty, uh, still stand on like the Pledge of Allegiance, things like that. So he had dope lines in here that raised the song score. He also had a number of very different and very good rhyme schemes in here. We spoke about some of the patterns earlier. I don't remember what they were off the top of my head, but I remember in the first verse, there was like three different rhyme schemes that he used and you know, all take a, a good amount of skill, especially when you're mixing those with good lines and syllables. There were multiple examples where he had, you know, eight syllables and two bars and things like that. So, like I said, a lot of ways that Farrell was able to hit that score of a three on this song. And this is kind of the point of why I wanted to just do the song breakdowns with the guys that finished from the top ten on here from here on out. Like I said, it was... It was taking up a lot of time to keep doing the same thing. It was kind of redundant. And then, you know, you get these scenarios where the guy goes a whole song, doesn't really say anything great or terrible, whatever the case is. Or maybe it's just absolutely horrible and, you know, nobody really wants to hear it. You know, you hear it once and you get explained why people are losing points for things and stuff like that. But, I mean, I didn't really want to just keep sitting there and breaking down things that, quite frankly, sometimes weren't even worth breaking down. But... You could see a prime example right here of why this guy has smashed the, the highest lyrical score so far. I mean, he gets an eight and a half, which is an entire point above the next person underneath him. And that's significant for a number of reasons. I mean, we, we spoke about this numerous times with Will Smith and Rakim and Cool G rapping them, how they're tied at a six and a half. But Will Smith was really at the bottom of that list because he had really just kind of made his way into a six and a half where other people like maybe rock him or cool g rap or something like that were right on the cusp of getting to a seven so 
you have to understand that there are people that are getting the same lyrical scores where I could definitely tell you, well, they, they're in that they're in that same bracket because we have to fit about five hundred people into a range of one to ten. So there's gonna be a lot of people that are getting the same lyrical score. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're identically the same. It just means that they're where they belong. And here you're talking about a whole point difference. So it's not an eight to a seven and a half, it's an eight and a half to a seven and a half. And Faramont was definitely a tremendous lyricist in more ways than one. I mean, this guy just really had a lot going for him when it came to the words that he was saying, his vocabulary, the way he mixed things together with rhyme schemes and syllables and a lot of dope, really deep, thought-provoking lines and um, a lot of versatility from this guy. I've heard him do numerous different types of songs where he he can come the same way and bring the same heat but isn't necessarily incapable of fitting himself to the song. So he does a really great job with that. And uh, hats off to Farrell Monch, man. Best lyricist we've had so far and quite frankly, probably one of the better lyricists I've ever seen in my life. And a side note before we get into the list really quickly, I do want to point out that I did know Farrell Monch and I did like Farrell Monch, but I wasn't a giant fan of Faramanch. I didn't have any Faramanch albums and things like that. But had you asked me prior to this study if Faramanch was in my top couple of people lyrically, I definitely I wouldn't have argued with you because I wouldn't have really had anything to go by to argue against you. But had you asked me to name people, Faramanch would not have been in my top ten or anything like that. Um, maybe 25 if I felt like I was running out of names or something like that. But the point that I'm trying to make is that Pharaoh Monch was really not on my radar as really being a top lyricist of all time overall in hip hop. So he's at number one right now and, um, we'll see how long he can stay there for. It may stay like that forever. He may get overthrown next week. I don't know what's coming right now, so we'll have to stay tuned and see what happens. But, uh... Getting into the list, like we do the top 15% overall, we definitely have some major changes in this list today. So first of all, we're closer to 80 total people done now than 70. So this list increases from a top 11 to a top 12. And we also have some huge additions to more than one of these lists, obviously. So in your top spot overall right now is Pharaoh Monch, who's in ninth place of 153 artists done overall. Next, we have KRS-One, who's in 11th place of 153 artists done. Then we have Jizza, who's in 13th place of 153 artists done. Then Slick Rick, who's in 15th place of 153 artists done. A couple of slots back, we got Rakim in 17th. And then a couple more slots back, we got Rev Run of Run DMC, who's in 22nd of 153 artists done. Right behind him in 23rd is LL Cool J. Right behind him in 24th is MF Doom. And then a couple of slots back in 26th, we got Will Smith. Behind Will Smith, we have DMC of Run DMC and Ice Cube tied for 29th of 153 artists done overall. And then we have Big Daddy Kane and Everlast tied for 32nd place of 153 artists done overall. And they once again hang on to our last slot here. So... Those guys kind of refuse to go away. Everlast, a newer addition as he came out in the 90s. Kane has been there since the 80s, but there's been a couple of times that, you know, Kane was out for a week, then Kane came back in, then Kane stayed for a week or two, then he was out for a week, then he came back in. So he's been here for a bit now, and he almost was run off the table by Farrell Monch, but it just so happens that Farrell Monch slides in 
in a day where the list actually gets extended by one person. So, Everlast and Big Daddy Kane hang on to their last and final slot there again. So, obviously, huge shout out to all these people in the top 15%. And listen, after four years of reigning at number one, Mr. KRS1, the teacher, is finally ousted from the number one spot. Pharaoh Monch takes over the throne and, uh, you know, listen, KRS-One was a big surprise for me, man. I, I had had that name thrown at me a lot of times by people I didn't know and people whose opinions I valued very much. I never dove deep into him, but I could tell you that off the bat, KRS-One was never my cup of tea, where people would play random things for me and I would just be like, yeah, it's, you know, it's good. Like, KRS-One is good. I just... I just don't really like him, you know? And when I sat down and did KRS-One, I really, really was blown away by way more things than one. And he wound up sticking in that number one spot. He finished number one, you know, number one artist to, to make their debut in the 1980s. He finished number one that way. And then he held on to the number one spot for a good four years, which doesn't sound that crazy considering we're covering 40 plus years of hip hop. But I mean, in four years, you obviously have, you know, even if you have five people come out each year, you're talking about 20 people that have come out and it's years have gone by. And this guy just continued to put out really good music, continued to hold on to the number one spot there for years and years and I mean, not for nothing, but the guy that he's ousted by, an absolutely tremendous lyricist, very original artist. I mean, to be ousted by Pharaoh Monch, I think, is almost like a compliment. And KRS-One still, man, you know, an 80s guy still holding on to the number two spot right now of everybody that we've covered so far. So, big shout out to him and everybody else in this list. I was pleasantly surprised by many people while doing this. Now, let's get into our current top 10% lyrically. Obviously, big changes to this list today as well. So, in our number one spot lyrically, we have Pharaoh Monch, who gets a lyrical score of eight and a half. Then, tied for second behind him, we have Master Ace and Jizza, who both got seven and a halfs. Then, we have another tie behind Master Ace and Jizza. In fourth place, we have KRS One and Lord Finesse, who both got lyrical scores of seven. And then in our last sixth place spot, we have a four-way tie with Will Smith, Rakim, Cool G, Rap, and Everlast all getting lyrical scores of six and a half. Again, we spoke about Will Smith listed at the top of that list because he came out first chronologically, but realistically, he would be more towards the back end of that list, but nonetheless, still tied for that six and a half in our last spot. So a new number one, man, in our overall lyricist, and, and quite frankly, I, I don't know when that's going to be broken. That's a really big high score. There's really not even much more room to go ahead of that. So Master Ace and Jizza slide down to number two overall lyrically, but I, I still assume that they'll probably be there as well for a long time. And shout out to them and everybody else in that top 10, especially Farrah Manch for really just coming in and devastating that score. I mean, that's that's just super impressive, especially from a guy that I, I didn't really expect to come out and shatter that score like that. But quite frankly, you know, Master Ace and Jizza and, and KRS-One were another couple of guys that had you told me they were top lyricists, I probably would have been like, really? So obviously I had a lot to learn, even though I thought I knew everything there was to know about hip hop. I've definitely learned a lot doing this and uh, I've been very, very presently surprised, but pleasantly surprised by a lot of people. So now, let's get into our other list that we go over, starting with our top five rappers to make their debut in the 80s. We speak about this all the time. This list probably won't change much going forward, but we'll see what happens. 
Our number one rapper from the 80s, KRS-One, who is still in that spot. Number two, Slick Rick. Number three, Rakim. Number four, Rev Run of Run DMC. And number five, LL Cool J. So, shout out to the legends that paved the way. They're still obviously hanging on to their spots as leaders in their respective decades. And some of them even still holding on to top spots overall. So, big shout out to those dudes for sure. And then we'll get into our top five artists to make their debut in the 90s so far and this list again changes today obviously so now we have a new number one artist to make their debut in the 90s at number one we have pharaoh manch at number two we have jizza number three mf doom number four everlast and number five be real so be Real has now slid to the final spot, and I, I bring up Be Real because he's one of the very, actually he's the only artist I believe that we've had a guest on here for, and uh, my cousin was on a couple weeks ago, and that's one of his, if not his favorite rapper of all time, so uh, I like to take note of, when, when people throw names at me, I like to I like to pay attention to it, and it's not, it's not out of spite, you know, part of me is pulling for your guy, part of me wants to tease you when he gets hammered, so... Uh, I'm just calling things objectively, and, you know, objectively, Be Real is still one of the top artists to make their debut in the 90s, and uh, I'm happy for my cousin that he gets that, so we'll see how long Be Real can hang on to that for, but obviously a new guy at the top of this list today, and uh, Lord Finesse and Master Ace have slid out of their respective spots in this particular list, because they were tied for the last spot last week, so they get slid out this week by Pharaoh Manch, but Lord Finesse and Master Ace still hanging on to one of the top spots lyrically so we talked a couple of weeks ago about how it's a little bit weird how the guys that seem to kind of be getting a little bit slid out of the overall list are still really the guys that are hanging on to the top lyrical scores and there's a couple of reasons for that we talked about how that's a tough score to come by you know it's not every day that you have this tremendous mind-blowing lyricist people can use other routes to be very successful or to score high or whatever the case may be, but to be a great lyricist, you have to be a great lyricist, point blank, period. So that list doesn't change as often as we haven't obviously had as many people score that high in that category. So they're still hanging on to them. Big shout out to everybody in all these lists for sure. You know, shout out to everybody that's in the study, quite frankly, because, you know, we speak all the time about how there are more people probably that didn't make the study. It's about it's about the same number. Um the list of the people that didn't make the cut is technically longer. It's in the 700s as opposed to like 450 that did, but only because group names are in there. So the individuals are listed, and then after the individuals are listed, it will say the group didn't make the cut. So, you know, you, you probably have 200 or so group names in there. So you're looking at maybe 453 and 499 or something like that. So they're around the same, but the list of people that didn't make the cut is a tiny bit longer. So, you know... Shout out to the people that did make the cut regardless of where they finished. If you'd like to see any of the lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash tale of the tapes podcast that has everything from the formulas that we talked about in the intro to the current lists, um, the schedules of artists coming up and things like that. So that's probably the best place to just follow everything that's going on in, in writing and black and white and things like that to where if maybe you miss something or you don't understand something or whatever, you can go back there and definitely see it there without having to necessarily maybe go back and re-listen to an entire episode just to catch one sentence that you don't know where it is. So uh, that's definitely a good spot to follow everything. And then obviously you can visit the host site at www 
anchor.fm slash tale of the tapes and there's a support button on there i'd appreciate anybody that hits it thank you very much and that's about it for this week's episode of tale of the tapes man this was a fucking hell of an episode i mean we have a guy who's very underground very abstract and quite frankly a name that most people probably don't recognize but probably have actually heard so that's an interesting dynamic and then we got pharaoh Monch who comes in and really just fucking came in like a maniac here i mean he gets the top lyrical score by a long shot he finishes number one overall which obviously also puts him in number one of the artists to make their debut in the 90s so you know pharaoh Monch just came in steamrolling and I've heard things quite recently from Pharaoh Monch, so Pharaoh Monch is probably still going, and I would expect Pharaoh Monch to probably come out with something else ridiculous in the near future, so he may even climb higher than he already is. So shout-outs to both of these guys for sure. Next week, we got Tupac and AG. Oh, I loved even saying that. So AG is from the Digging in the Crates crew with, you know, Big L, Lord Finesse, Fat Joe, all of them, and... Tupac is, quite frankly, one of my favorite human beings of all time, let alone rappers. I won't even get into that. So it'd probably be an understatement for me to say that I am extremely excited for this episode next week. And I strongly suggest that you tune in for that one. I don't think it's an episode that you want to miss. Tale of the tapes. Peace. Tale of the tapes. Might as well. <laughs>